Welcome to Itzni DRN. Today I called in sick to my job. I'm not feeling particularly unwell, but I just couldn't summon the inner strength to face another shift, and so I didn't. Should I feel bad? Is it okay to call in sick when you're not sick? Is it fair? The answer to these and other rhetorical questions on today's episode. I'm your host, Anita DRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an e. It's a D. It's an E-D-R-N. It's an E stands for emergency. It's a D stands for department. It's an E-D on erectile dysfunction. Episode 23, an EDRN calls in sick. Welcome to my podcast, it's an EDRN. I'm your host, an EDRN, and today we're going to talk about calling in. On one end of the spectrum, you have people who never call in sick. They will drag themselves in with missing limbs, if necessary, And on the opposite end, you have people who understand that time off is in your bank to be spent. Why are you hoarding it? What good is it doing anyone? Just sitting there unused. I have been on that first end of the spectrum, and I am trying with all my might to move myself closer to the other end, and I'll explain why on today's show. But first, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. Thank you for listening. Um, just an introduction. I've been a nurse for 11 years. I worked in med surge. I worked in ICU. And then I was a nurse administrator for a number of years. <laughs> that was almost, that was over a year ago now that I quit that job, took some time off, did some soul searching and returned to the bedside at a time when nurses are leaving the bedside in droves. So that's my credibility down the drain. Anyway, <laughs> I decided to go and do emergency room nursing. Never done it. Seemed like it would be fun. And I was right. It is pretty much a blast. And I have a good time. And also, I have some terrible times. And that leads us into our topic today. I called in sick today. Just to set the stage for this call in. Um, Not by way of excusing myself, but by way of just explanation. I was scheduled to work three in a row, have one day off, and then work three in a row. So just to be clear, that's working two weeks in six days. Not ideal. I think I've talked about before the doomsday schedule where I work three, I'm off one, and work two. Or vice versa, I work two, off one, work three. It doesn't jive with my body. It doesn't do great things for me, and I don't like it. And for whatever twist of fate, because I did not schedule myself this way, it just so happened that these were the shifts I was granted. And I chose no. (laughs) I chose myself. Okay. Um, I worked three. I was off one. I returned for one. And I thought, you can do this. You can do this. And then last night, after getting home, after spending my second shift in a row in triage, being yelled at, being called names, uh, having someone try and bite me, just, you know, all the usual stuff that I've grown accustomed to, I decided I had hit my quota 
for being yelled at this week? For whatever reason, the answer is no. And so I called in. And I want to talk about the feeling I get (laughs) whenever I call in. At my previous job, I worked there for 10 years. And I can count on one hand the number of times I called in in those 10 years. I was the model nurse. I did not call in. I would drag myself to work sick. I, I was, you know applauded, but never monetarily rewarded for this uh, twisted loyalty that I had. And I took pride in it, honestly. I was very prideful about it. And I looked down my nose at people who called in, even periodically, and I felt personally affronted that they would do this to me. And the messaging that we received was, your friend called in sick, and now you all work, um, and now you all work short. And it took me some time to work my way through why that was a fallacy. And that's what we're going to get into today. So what I figured out was my driver for not calling in was two things, guilt and shame. The guilt part was my thinking, my coworkers are working short because of me. And the shame part was my thinking, I'm a bad person for calling in sick when I could have pushed through. This is a thought distortion, and I want to tackle each of these thought distortions individually. So let's do guilt first. And what helps with the guilt for me is understanding how staffing in the modern-day healthcare system works, especially in a hospital. So I'll just speak from my personal experience on a hospital unit, an inpatient unit, a 24-7 operation. There are two kinds of elements of your budget, essentially. There, there are two expectations on you as a manager of a nursing unit. The first is that you'll remain within the money budgeted for staff, but then also that you'll remain within your budgeted productivity for staff. The money is like the hard cash that you spend on hiring, firing, training, so any modules, any classes, also paying salaries, and that which includes overtime, bonuses, and also vacation time and paid time off. The productivity you're budgeted for your staff has to do with how many nurses you have on the unit as compared to how many butts in beds, as they like to say. Patients, how many rooms are filled with paying customers? And at most hospitals, it is the number of patients on the unit that determine the number of staff you're allowed to have. Certain hospitals of, of lore, of fantasy, uh, staff by acuity, which means every patient is allocated a level of acuity based on their nursing needs, their care plan, just how much bedside care they require. And then that goes into calculating how much staff you can have. I have never worked under a system like that. (laughs) I mean, maybe 
I think when I was a charge nurse early on in my career, there was staffing by acuity and there was a f- algorithm that we would calculate every four hours to determine whether we needed to send someone home or bring someone who was on call in. So it is a thing, it is possible, and it is largely not happening anymore. So the thing about productivity is that when you have less staff, your productivity goes up. When your productivity goes up, you make more money because you are paying much less money for the staff that are working than you're gaining for the cost of the patient for that inpatient day. That's a very highly simplified explanation of it and it's highly simplified because that's all I really understand (laughs) can't give you any more than that Um, but understanding that hospitals make more money when you're understaffed is important to beginning to understand why the guilt part of the guilt and shame around calling in is really a fallacy mostly and ultimately because You and I are not responsible for staffing our units by not calling in sick. No one ever being sick is not a strategy for adequate staffing. In your personal budget, in a good personal budget, you set aside money, extra money for unexpected expenses because you know that it happens. A good nursing staffing plan includes staff availability to fill in for unexpected call-ins, which literally is every call-in. They are, by nature, unexpected. That's the whole thing with call-ins. Otherwise, it would just be called vacation. (laughs) It would be called sick vacation, and that's not what it is. That's not what it is. So it's really important to understand That systemic understaffing is a product of poor working conditions. It's a product of non-competitive wages. It's a product of a culture that accepts a reality in which nurses are assaulted at a rate that far exceeds any other labor group and does nothing about it with the expectation that we maintain an unlimited capacity for compassion in the midst of a global pandemic that continues to be largely ignored or refuted by the very people who end up most in need of medical intervention through their own unwillingness to take the most basic of precautions, let alone free and safe vaccination. These are the, these are the reasons, okay? These are the reasons for burnout. That leads to understaffing. Not you calling in for your Thursday shift because you've decided, you know, you don't want to get yelled at today. That you do not have the capacity to keep your chill as someone is screaming at you to fix the very healthcare system into which we all are subjugated every day in this country. You can't fix it. You can't make more beds. And you can't expect that you will never take a day off except you're allocated one to two weeks per year. It's unreasonable. 
And when you call in, it's not a financial disincentive for your hospital. So think on that. Let's talk about shame. Shame is rooted in a belief that there's a specific way in which you have to act in order to be valuable to someone else, essentially, or to yourself, to be perceived as having value. So not to get too into the weeds with this, but this is likely stemming from our childhoods in which we were probably taught that um, to behave was to be loved and to misbehave was to be rejected. And it was entirely up to us, uh, which we wanted to do. There were no extenuating circumstances under which we would misbehave for legitimate reasons. (laughs) So, you know, you were rejected. When, when you acted out, you were asked, you wanted attention or I don't know, maybe this is just my childhood. I don't know. But as adults and as I've worked things out with, um, a professional whom I pay much money to help me work these things out in my brain, we replace that parent dynamic in the workplace with our bosses, our institutions. And so when we call in, it's essentially akin to us misbehaving as children. So, which is to say that we are helped, we're, we are held in some level of contempt by our boss or our institution. This is what we imagine anyway, because it's not the expected behavior. Even though we give you time off, even though we, you are forced to, to keep a balance in your sick leave, you somehow aren't expected to take it, even though there's a whole policy on how much you can take and under what circumstances and what you do and do not need to divulge, we still are shocked, I guess, and surprised when you do take it. And it means you're not a good employee. And that matters because now your boss is your mom and or something like that. So <laughs> this is the sham. This is... This is the fallacy, this is the thought distortion under which we are cultured and cultivated to believe. And it's important that we recognize it for the manipulation that it is. Your work is not your family. You know, at such and such hospital, we're family. Bullshit. Bullshit. If you stopped showing up to work, they would stop paying you. And if they stopped paying you, you would stop showing up to work. That is what is called a transactional relationship. You perform labor under a very specific set of rules and regulations and policies and according to your license. And in return for that labor or the time with which you are expected to do the labor or both, some combination of both, you are compensated with money which you need to live. Your coworkers do not like or dislike you based on how many times you've called in in the last three months. If you're doing it all the damn time, it might be annoying to some, but it's not your, unless it's your entire personality, it's not going to be your entire personality. Most people don't care. Every Goddamn shift someone calls into my work because it's stupid right now. It's absolutely insane. And I do not 
begrudge them a call in because there are myriad reasons why you would call in having to do with not just your own physical health, but the health of your family, the health of your pets, which are also family, uh, unforeseen circumstances, financial obligations, like just, there's so many, just again, maybe you were assaulted at work. Maybe you saw something horrible. You're just expected to carry on. And sometimes it's not possible, and that doesn't make you a weak person. Another thing, loyalty. That word gets thrown around a lot, and I want you to strike it from your mind when it comes to your job. Loyalty is a tool that your workplace uses to make you feel shame about the choices you make that aren't in your best interests. All you have to do is consider the fact that you're expected to be loyal to your workplace and yet your, your workplace has no burden of loyalty towards you. None. It's not an equal relationship. It's not reciprocal. No one ever speaks about loyalty when they're treating you fairly. <laughs> it's only when they're handing down bad news or a poorly constructed policy, or expectations that even they know are unreasonable, that's when they start talking about loyalty. That's when they start calling everyone a family. It's bullshit. It's manipulation. It's a thought distortion. Your hospital, your clinic, your home health agency, it's not a person. It's a business. You do work for the business, they give you money. It is a mutually beneficial arrangement, and you don't owe anybody shit. You are being taken advantage of to the extent which with the law and our current marketplace allows, and don't believe for a second that it's any different. If they could get away with more, they would, because it's a business their number one priority is not you. It is not patient safety. It is not patient outcomes. It is money. And I, I understand if that message is abrasive. And I challenge you to go back to your institution and look for evidence to the contrary. And I hope you do find it. And I don't think that you will find much. You're expected to have this loyalty and compassion and limitless energy to do your work and the work of literally anyone else who's not able to do their work at the time. <laughs> your hospital is expected to make money. That's it. End of obligation. Take your fucking sick days. And with that, <laughs> look... I'm I'm on stolen time today, essentially, except it's not stolen. I earned it because I earn my sick time. I earn it with every hour that I work. You probably do, too. Or maybe your bank isn't separated out that way. But anyway, we're on to tips and tricks. Tip number one. Take your fucking sick days. <laughs> Steal that time back for yourself. Think 
think about all the ways your job robs you of time from having to take a shuttle to and from the outdoor parking lot that they force you to park in, which is a mile away from the front door of the emergency department where you work, resulting in, on average, 30 minutes extra time per shift on weekdays because it can't be bothered to figure out a way for you to park within walking distance of your goddamn job, or whether it's some other way that is less uh, specific to my situation. I just, I guarantee you, they are robbing you of time at every opportunity, and you should take that back as often as you can. Call the fuck in. Tip number two. Know your institution's absenteeism policy. (laughs) I want you to call in. I want you to call in when you're sick. I want you to call in when you're tired. I want you to call in when you just can't take it any longer. However, please don't get fired. So know how often you can call in, understand your body. How often do you get sick? You know, here's my strategy. I almost never get sick. So as I am looking at the way to which I will be making the most of my sick leave, I will be using as much of it as possible, leaving one occurrence in it open in a rolling three-month period because that's the very specific policy that I operate under. So I will leave one open for catastrophe or actual physical, uh, you know, family emergency, physical ailment, whatever. Here's the thing. You need to understand, read the the policy thoroughly and understand when you call off for one shift, is it the same as calling off for two shifts in a row? And then where's the tipping point where you need a doctor's note? Is it three shifts how, or, you know, how many? Just, just read the policy and understand it and follow it to a T. Understand how it affects your overtime for that pay period. Understand how it affects any bonus shifts that you picked up. Just don't screw yourself out of additional money in your excitement to follow my directive. <laughs> Also, good tip. Don't listen to me. Tip number three. Do not get mad at others for calling in. They are protecting their peace. They're protecting their body. They're probably contemplating quitting. When I was a manager at first, I, I followed uh, a very like specific... I, I would check call-ins every day. I would track them. And I would, like, bring people in if they were over their limit and give them the talk until I realized that people don't call in a ton, the majority of people, to jobs that they feel are rewarding to them. When people are calling in a lot, there's usually two primary reasons. One, they qualify for FMLA and they don't even know it. And so making sure that they get that or, or they need short-term disability And they may not even know that they have access to that. But the second reason is they're on their way out and they can barely make it into work anymore. And that is not an individual that is going to be at their best in their current environment. And as a nurse manager, I had to suss out how much of this is this person? 
how much of it is the work environment that the person is expected to operate in and how much of that is under my control. People don't just call in sick. I called in sick today and will likely call in sick tomorrow because it'll just count as one occurrence, so why not? Because I've reached my limits mentally, mostly mentally. I've reached my limit and I'm protecting myself from burnout because I want to do this job for a few more years. I do. And if I just keep going at a breakneck pace and I keep showing up and trying to do everybody's fucking job, which I really can't not do, it's, it's going to happen. So I need to take a step back every once in a while, unscheduled. I need to feel like I have some control. Also, I'm not trying to be a star here. I'm just trying to exist and not get fired. That is, that is the ceiling of the expectations I'm placing on myself. Anyway, this tip is getting out of hand. What I want to say is, <laughs> don't get mad at your coworkers. Some shit's going down, okay? Get mad at the ones that show up and, like, do a shitty job and don't want to be present and don't quit or take the time off that they need and just push through and are a burden to everyone else. That's the real shit. That's the real person that you should be like, hey, if you're gonna be here, be here. And if you're not, then don't. Because you're affecting everyone else's safety and enjoyment, frankly. But just, just understand that people have value beyond their ability to perform labor in the very specific confines of a hospital. So, and finally I have one trick. <laughs> Track your call-ins. Do not get fired for absenteeism. It's the dumbest reason to get fired, okay? So the way, just do it however you track anything, but the way I do it is the, you know, calendar on my phone where I put my shifts in and then double and triple and quadruple check it because I'm paranoid about not showing up when I'm supposed to be there. Um, that's where I track my call-ins. So the title to all my calendar invites to myself for work is just work. So I convert that to call-in or um, on-call shift or bonus shift. I, I track all of it uh, because then I compare it with my paychecks as well and make sure that I'm being compensated for my work because sometimes I'm not and it's a matter of uh, someone not getting the form I filled out, or there's always there's always the hoops. But essentially, just keep track so that you know exactly how many shifts you have available to you for calling in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review literally anywhere. I don't care if you write it in a bathroom stall. Um, and tell your nurse friends to listen. <laughs> Call in. Call in as often as possible. Enjoy the time. Encourage others to do the same. You're not responsible for staffing your unit, and you are more important than your job. Thank you for listening, and have a safe shift. It's an EDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.